Welcome, everyone, to MDV The Blueprint Podcast. I am your host, Michael Delavella, and today we have a fantastic guest. Welcome, Joe Tricasso, estate planning and elder law attorney. Joe, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. So, Joe, I want to talk to you this morning about estate planning. It's something that I am seeing now constantly with clients that I deal with that have older parents and or parents that are deceased. And what I'm finding is that the the parents maybe never planned. The houses are going to probate. Nobody knows what to do with anything. There's so much stuff that goes on and getting rid of all the possessions and where, where they go to. So it, 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 it seems like it's so easy, but it, it, it seems also to be a topic that families don't want to deal with an uncomfortable question that eventually I'm going to die. And what do I do with all my stuff? Or am I, I just procrastinate because I'm not going to die yet. I'm healthy. Well, I, I think there's really two issues. The, the person that is, is having the estate plan, if they don't, get one, usually it is their own mortality, or I have time, or it's not that important, I don't have assets, all those kind of hangups to, to, to drafting an estate plan. Uh, for the children, a lot of times, it, it's a role reversal. Uh, you're used to your parents being the ones that take care of you. They filled out your permission slips. They made sure you got to school on time, um, You know, maybe help you buy your first car or down payment for a house. And now in their twilight years, the role's reversed. They're more like the parent for their parent. And so sometimes it's it's hard to have that conversation. Hey, mom or dad, what is your estate plan? I mean, because t- chances are they might have an estate plan. They just haven't really talked about it or taken it out from when they were younger. or Or they might not have one at all. And what ends up happening is something happens to mom or to dad. And then it becomes front of mind. And hopefully when something happens to one of the parents, they tidy things up. Um, you know, sometimes the first parent dies. Ohio is pretty great about uh, helping surviving spouses avoid probate and, and getting in and out fast. But it's if they don't tidy things up at the death of the first spouse, it gets to be somewhat hairy at the death of the second spouse. Because if you haven't done anything um, when the second, after the first parent dies, there's almost a hundred percent chance you're going to end up in probate if if you don't do something. And I, I'm going through that on 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 several deals, and it's time consuming. It just seems like it's it's never ending, and it's an ongoing process, and it's got to be expensive to to go through that, where you know it can all be solved. So. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on that, that sure. I'm curious with. So estate planning, what's the difference between a will, a trust, and I think they also have transfer on death designations. So it's two parts. And how does this affect where my home goes when I'm, when I die? Okay. So let's say you're a single person you die and you don't have any of those documents, your house is going to go through probate and you're going to be 
locked into the, the default rules for the state of Ohio, meaning it goes to whoever your heirs are. If you don't have kids or a surviving spouse, they go out through your family tree and try to find somebody to, to give it to. But one of the more important things when you're selling a house through probate or, or even trying to transfer it, uh, without a will that has a power to sell, um, you're locked into only being able to sell it at 80% of whatever the county appraises it at. So if you have a, a family member that, that's died and their house is going through probate, it's not well kept up on and the auditor's value isn't really reflective of it. Um, you're looking into possibly a land sale or some other mechanism to to uh, get the property sold. Whereas if they would have done a will and that's all that they did and it went through probate, uh, the will uh, gives the executor most, I'd say about 90% of the time, the power to sell, which means they can sell it for any offer that they deem uh, fair to the beneficiaries. And what that means is a land sale can take 60 to 90 days on a on a good on a good day as opposed to at best you have to wait for the inventory to be filed and it depends on what the title company actually requires but a lot of title companies if they see that they have the power of, uh, of sale uh in the will and it's it's been filed with the probate court you're, you're looking at a lot less time and then you have more flexibility in the deal if if i'm coming to you and i own my home um, I have a couple of rental properties, but you know, my children are and they're from teenager till eight years old. What advice are you giving me? Am I am I just doing a will? Am I putting my home in trust? Well, it, it, and so it really depends. So to go back to your original question, there's a will that helps you if you go through probate. A trust is a way to avoid uh, probate um, and have more control. And so I don't really typically do uh, as many revocable trusts and there's revocable and irrevocable. Irrevocable is more for Medicaid planning, but 90% of people are familiar. If you're talking about a trust, you're talking about a revocable trust. And what that helps uh, with is minimize taxes. Um, in Ohio, it's not really, we don't do too many of those for, for tax reasons. Ohio got rid of their estate tax in 2013 and the federal exemptions, 11 million for a single person and 22 million for a, a couple. So that's, that's one reason that we would typically do them. Uh, unlike the will, the will doesn't really do anything until you die and you go to probate. The trust is set up. You can use it while you're alive. You can move assets into it, move assets out of it in a revocable trust. You avoid probate, you get privacy, you, you still get a step up in basis like you would if it went through probate. And then you have protections. If, if your family members were to get an inheritance, you can put divorce and bankruptcy protections in there. Uh, also, you can, in the context of, of minor children, you can kind of cut out the court as far as managing money that might go to minors because it can be held in trust and the trustee would be responsible for it. And it, it, it has a little bit more upfront cost, but you're not going through the probate court to ask to do anything. You've put what you want to happen in that trust and then your trustee carries it out. And so with that, if you transfer your house into the trust or you do a transfer on death designation at your death to have it go into the trust, the trust can manage all that stuff. Um, and it means that you don't have to go through through probate court approval. And most times in a, in a transaction, the um, title company can have 
some of the back work done with the with, with the title for the uh, the properties that are in the trust fairly inexpensively. And then the last one that we we talked about was, or you had mentioned, is a transfer on death designation. These are good for um, if you have family members that you want to transfer to it. They're good, upstanding people, no problems with money, not an issue with divorce or or bankruptcy or creditors, and uh, they're going to get along. Because basically what it is, is it says, it's a little affidavit you record with the recorder that says, when I'm gone, I want my property to go to these people. And so it totally cuts out the probate process. But that's the probably the most cost-effective way to transfer property. Because uh, you're not paying that upfront for the trust. You're not having it go through probate. And typically when I do that type of strategy, we kind of go through um, all those hot button issues to see if it's a good fit. Does that kind of answer your questions? Yeah, it does. And and a follow-up question to that is if somebody's went through the process of of sitting with an estate planner, coming up with a will or trust, whatever benefits them, and they do it at a let's say they do it in their late thirties, as they get older, how often do you need to review a, a trust or a will? I'd like to tell you you need to review it every year. Come see me and but the, the 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 reality is is it's life changes. So if you take out a will when you're in your 30s or your 40s and you have kids that are young, uh, maybe you had a will that provided guardians and you had your mom and your dad as your executors or your powers of attorney. Um, you know, as you get into your 50s or 60s, hopefully your parents are still there. But it might be make sense to start thinking uh, about other people to add. Um, that are younger because what you don't want to have happen is you have beautiful estate documents, but all your executors are dead or all your powers of attorney are are dead or or can't manage the job. And so part of that, you want to take them out every, I don't know, five or six years, take them out, look at them, make sure they're good. Uh, And the other thing is too, is if you have them done when you're in your thirties and forties and you go to use them in your sixties, uh, chances are the bank's going to want something newer. Uh, that's not an Ohio law thing. That's a, a, a bank saying, yeah, this is valid, but we want to see something different. So if I'm hearing you right, and I think I am, it really doesn't matter. At my age, I'm in my 50s. If my parents are in their 80s and they're still healthy, you can do this at that age. Yeah, it's if nobody has done it, there's no time limit. That uh, if you've done, haven't done it before you're eighty, you you can't do it. So there is no time. Yeah, limit. and you can even do planning at at the moment there there's a crisis. So let's say mom goes in the hospital. She's well enough to come. She's well enough to not be in the hospital, but not well enough to go home. There's a pile of money. There's a house. There's things that gotta have to be sorted through there's still an opportunity to protect assets. It's just not able to protect as much as you could have if you did it four or five years ago. So in my business, I have a, I have a question for you. Are there advantages or any disadvantages if someone were to sell their home either before or after they passed in in regards to their estate plan? Does, Does that make a difference? So if you mean, and I'm going to take the word sell, and, and and then in the Medicaid planning context, a lot of what I hear is you'll sell the house so that you can spend down. If you're a married couple, that might mm-hmm. not make a lot of sense. 
because um, when you're married, if only one spouse is going into the, the community assisted living or nursing home, you're allowed to keep a car, a house, and up to $147,000 worth of assets. So if you go and take that $300,000 house and sell it, you've taken an exempt asset and made it something that you have to spend down for. And so from that standpoint, I don't think it, you want to be careful. You want to get the spouse, the the spouse in the community in, um, in, in the assisted living or nursing home and then sell the house. The healthy spouse or the community spouse can sell that house downsize and, and, and keep the, the, the equity that's there. Um, as far as like a Medicaid planning strategy, I often I hear, well, I'm just going to gift it to my kids and wait the five years. And that's usually not a good strategy because when, when you go to sell the house, uh, you have mom and dad's basis because it didn't pass to them at their death. Uh, if mom or dad bought the house for a hundred thousand and now it's worth 300, you're looking at capital gains of 100 to Absolutely. Yeah, uh, spread there. Um, so, I mean, those are the issues I see. It, it, it's all dependent. You know, it, if it's mom or dad alone in the house, there's no assets other than the house and they need to pay for long-term care, well, then it makes sense to sell it before you pass. How often are you dealing with situations like this? Either there was no estate planning and they come to you and now you're trying to figure everything out or you're trying to lay the plan out for somebody is this an everyday occurrence? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd say probably about 70% of my business is from referral partners that work with uh, sons or daughters or, or their clients are up there in age, and it's usually a crisis. My personal advice would be uh, father time catches up to everybody. If you have the ability to sit down and do it, schedule a consultation, get, get in, at least get some free advice. Um, and then if you don't do anything with it, that's on you, but at least you have the opportunity to do something now. Um, and yeah, a, a lot of it is crisis planning. And unfortunately that's the most expensive time to do it because you're paying the assisted living community. You're paying me to, to do crisis planning for you. Um, you have hospital stays you're paying for, uh, where, you know, some of those costs are still going to be there, but you have a plan for it. And you can budget and know that when you hit this mark, um, you know, Medicaid's going to turn on and cover that cost for you. Joe, what's your best advice for a young family just starting out, couple kids, own a home, but haven't done anything? Are they too early to start meeting with someone like you? I, I, I almost think as soon as you get married, you should, you should have an estate plan, but definitely with the kids, because um, if something were to happen, the proverbial plane goes down or, or something like that, and the kids aren't with you, who's going to be their guardians? I mean, chances are there'll be a family member that steps up, but wouldn't you want to have that discussion of who you want to have for your kids? And so you can put all that in your will. And then, you know, if you, if you're, more of a word word or, or you want to have a little bit more protection and safeguard assets for your kids, you, you can do a trust. And so you can have, if something were to happen to both of you, um, you get a guardian of the person over where they go to school and healthcare decisions. And then you can have all the money flow into the trust so that the court doesn't have to supervise it. And so your trustee can manage it. Um, it helps minimize the, the costs of, of things. Um, so that there's more money there for the, for the kids. You know, if you're super worried about that issue, then, then trust is the way to go. But 
you just want some basics, you know, a good healthcare power of attorney, financial power of attorney, and a will with guardians for yourself and guardians for your kids will go a long way. It's, it's so funny you mentioned that story because I was the guy on the plane and I'm a terrible, I, terrible person to, to, to fly with. I, the plane turbulence and I, I think we're dying. And we, we, Laura and I had nothing planned and it was a bumpy flight. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen to my children? And, and it was, it was like a stressful three hours that how could I be so ill-prepared? But after going through all this and having everything laid out, it, it gives you peace of mind. Your assets are going to outlive you. Who do you want your assets to go to when you pass? It's, it's something that everybody should talk to either their parents or their children about. The children should know about this. So when your children get to that age, they'll know what to do. Uh, if there's one thing you can do, if, if, if you have parents that are getting up there in age, it's not a comfortable topic, but it's one that you'll, if you have that crucial conversation, uh, it, it can pay dividends down the road as far as everybody being on the same page and making it a lot easier when those tough times come. I, I, I'm amazed how many stories where very, very wealthy people pass suddenly, several children, no will, no trust. What takes place in going forward is just, I would never want to do that to my children. I would never, I, I don't think anybody wants that in their life. So I see it firsthand. You see it firsthand. Yeah, and you see it on the news too. Every time a famous person dies, they didn't leave a will or they didn't do any estate plan. Didn't leave a will. And then they're fighting over who gets the recording rights or who gets this property or that property. What other advice do you have for the listeners of what, what they should be doing? Besides come see. Yeah. Come, come, come see me. <laughs> now, I, I, I mean, if you're younger, I, I would at least, even if you don't get a full blown estate plan, at least get a healthcare power of attorney and a financial power of attorney. Uh, Cause if you're single or even if you're married, um, there's a lot of things you can't do if you become incapacitated. Your power of attorney can pay your bills and, and do things for you. You know, take your estate plan out. If you have it, make sure that your your executors and your agents are still good uh, and they're still the people that you want. If you retire, 65, 70, definitely meet with uh, an estate planning attorney that has an elder law focus so that if you haven't done any long-term planning, they can put some stuff on your radar. Here's a question I, I'm curious about. I don't, I don't know the answer to this. Life insurance. Mm -hmm. If you own life insurance, is that tie into a will, a trust, or is that just automatically the way it has nothing to do with it? It's a complete separate subject. Life insurance goes wherever the beneficiary is. And so it's designed theoretically to pass outside of probate. But, um, and so it, it, it could go to a trust, it could go to an individual. Um, if you don't have a beneficiary, it goes through probate because there's nobody to give the money to. But Historically, it's been designed to avoid probate. It's a way to give quick cash to a beneficiary. Well put. That that helps. Joe, how can I ensure a smooth transfer of my property to my beneficiaries after I pass? And what legal documents are needed for this? Well, pre-death, 
um, let's say incapacity or, or something of that takes place. Um, it's really important to have and have an original uh, financial power of attorney. Let's say in a husband wife situation, uh, the husband has a stroke or dementia sets in and they need to downsize because he's going in an assisted living. She doesn't need a big house to take care of. If there's not a financial power of attorney in place that has the ability to sell real estate, uh, he can't sell his, his half interest. There's nobody there that can act on his behalf because he doesn't have the capacity depending on the, the, the state of the dementia or whether he even has uh, mental capacity, maybe to a stroke. Um, the only way to sell that half interest in the property would be a guardianship. And so your healthcare and your financial power of attorneys are very important documents, even more so um, than some of the other stuff, because they take care of that time between when you're incapacitated to when you die. And so those are some of the most expensive times where you want to have somebody that can manage your finances and, and do the things that are necessary to make sure you're safe. To help ensure a smooth transition when you pass, uh, transfer on death designation either to a trust or to a beneficiary, or if you decide for whatever reasons uh, it's okay to move the property into the trust. If, you, if you've done those steps, then it should go fairly smoothly. Joe, I ask everybody, what is your blueprint? And the blueprint can be your blueprint for the way you live your life, the way you run your business. What is Joe Tricasso's blueprint? So I, I've worked for a, a number of law firms before I went out on my own. And it was kind of run more towards a business in, instead of being client focused. Uh, and so for me, when I started my own firm, I wanted to be client centric, which meant I don't do what's good for me. I do what's good for my client. And a lot of times uh, as I was practicing, I, I felt that I, you know, I would still always do what was right for my client, but I had a lot of pressure to do what's right for the, for the business of the firm. I, I'm a firm believer that if you take care of the, the customer or the client, the, the rest of the stuff kind of falls in place. Um, and so that's kind of how I try to run my practice. Um, if you come into me asking for a trust, you might walk out with some other package um, just because I'm not a firm believer and, and just selling you something because you want it. We're going to take a look at it and see, does it make sense? And at the end of the day, if it does make sense, I'm not happy to do the work for you, but I want you to be informed and, and see what um, services I can provide that best fit your needs. And so Sometimes it might be a less expensive thing, or sometimes it might be a more expensive thing, but we're going to take the time to, to delve in and see what you need and, and, and make recommendations based on that, not based on my bottom line. I can say, because I, I, I've gotten to know you that, um, you're super honest. You take the time to explain things. You are not trying to just do something because I want it. You'll tell me, I, I'd love to charge you for this, but you don't need to do that. And you explained why, and, and it worked out. So I appreciate how you run your business. You are so straightforward and you're, you're caring. So I would highly recommend people to get in touch with Joe. Joe, Joe, please tell us, how do we get in touch with you? Uh, so you can email me at joe at tlohiolaw.com 
uh, if you want to set up an appointment, um, you can go on our website, which is tlohiolaw.com. Um, there's a tab on there where you can book uh, a 15 minute consultation. Basically, it's just me figuring out if I can help, and then we can set up a free one hour consultation from there. Joe, I thank you. This has been a lot of fun and it's always educating. So thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Make sure to follow us on social media at MDV The Blueprint on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We post a ton of great content. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you never miss out on an episode. Thanks again and see you next time.